Morning to our live streamers joining us online as well. In 2018, writer Ed Morgan evaluated some of the predictions made by Al Gore in his 2006 movie, An Inconvenient Truth. Now, I'm going to list five. All of these were predicted to happen within 10 years, that is by 2016. Increased tornadoes, new ice age in Europe, massive flooding in China and India, polar bear extinction, extinction, and that the earth would be in a planetary emergency. Uh, none of those things happen. Religious prognosticators don't fare any better. If you follow Hal Lindsey, you have probably changed the end of the world date on your calendar several times. His book, The Late Great Planet Earth, was the best-selling nonfiction book of the 1970s. It predicted that the world would end sometime before December 31st, 1988. He cited a host of world events, the threat of nuclear war, the communist threat, and the restoration of Israel as reasons the end times were upon mankind. His later books, though less specific, suggested that believers not plan on being on the earth past the 1980s, then past the 1990s, and of course, the 2000s. My advice when it comes to prophecy books and future books in, in general, just wait a few years. You can buy them very cheap in the discount bend once they've been disproven. But I do want to talk a little bit about the future today. Now, so we've been in this sermon series, the headlines, the gospel is good news, the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus. And we talked about fake news, bad news, good news. And today I want to talk about future news. So the resurrection of Jesus, we talked a little bit last Sunday about the certainty of the resurrection. It's historical. The physical resurrection of Jesus actually happened. If you remember the acronym, uh, Easter, the empty tomb and the post-resurrection appearances and the conversion of Saul of Tarsus and the transition from Saturday to Sunday is the church's special day and the establishment and rapid growth of the early church and the resolve of the apostles and other eyewitnesses of the resurrected Jesus. It's a cosmological argument applied to the resurrection. It's a cause and effect. There's only one cause that can explain these six historical effects or facts, and that's the resurrection actually happened. That's important for a lot of reasons, but one of those is it, it, port, it portrays the resurrection of our physical bodies in the future. So what are those bodies going to be like? That's what I want to talk about today. What are our resurrection bodies? What's the nature of those bodies? This is good news too. I hope that we'll find this encouraging. We don't know everything, but there are some suggestions that we can glean from the Bible. Now I want to make four. Number one, what does Adam suggest about our resurrection bodies in the future? Genesis 2-7, the Lord God formed the man of the dust of the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life, and the man became a living being. Uh, the one, if I would put this in one word, what Adam suggests, it would be the word integration. So you've got the dust of the ground combined with the breath of God to form a living being. In the original language here, the word is nephesh in Hebrew, N-E-P-H-E-S-H. -E there, we all know some Hebrew now. And that's the word for living being. Some versions translate it soul or other things. But notice it takes two parts. We are, this is our binary nature. We have a physical component. We have a spiritual component. We're material, but we're also Im immaterial, corporeal, non-corporeal. These are the two parts of our nature. I like to, for an analogy, I like to illustrate this with the hermit crab and the turtle. 
The hermit crab and the turtle, how are they different? They're different in a lot of ways, but here's the way I want to zero in on. A hermit crab has a shell, but he is not a shell. And you know this. The hermit crab's a little animal inside the shell, but the shell is inorganic. The hermit crab grows. The shell remains the same. So as he grows, he's got to discard the small shell and go looking for a larger shell for his larger body. Just like if you have a family and you outgrow your house and you go looking for a larger house. But you are not your house, and, and the hermit crab is not his shell. When he's outside of the shell and he's crawling around naked, if you will, looking for his next shell, he's still 100% hermit crab. Turtle, on the other hand, a turtle not only has a shell, he is a shell. That's part of what a turtle is. And the shell grows with the turtle. And you, and you can't separate the turtle from his shell without destroying the creature, the, shell, the turtle itself, because the spinal cord is integrated into the shell, right? In fact, at yesterday's men's breakfast, we, we were introduced to a man who used to eat turtles back in the 1950s, sea turtles. I know. I said, does it taste like chicken? He said, no, it tastes like turtle. Nevertheless, I digress. I digress. So the turtle is a shell. So what are you? Are you a, are you a turtle or are you a hermit crab? Well, for my analogy's purpose, you are a turtle and, and not a hermit crab. We're not just spirits that have bodies. We are bodies, and we are spirits. And Jesus did not die just to save our souls, just to save our spirits. He also died to save our bodies. Sometimes in a funeral, if it's an open casket, funeral and the body's been embalmed is there in the casket and people will walk by and pay their last respects and someone will say to their grandkids or whatever, you know, that's not really grandma there in, in the casket. That's not really her. Although I understand what's being said there, that's not exactly true. That really is grandma. It's just half of grandma. Half of grandma is still here. Half of the spiritual half has gone to paradise. And whether this body goes into the ground and disintegrates or whether the body's been cremated and the dust is spread all over the world or whether the, the body's been disintegrated in a bomb, when the Lord returns, then body is going to be reintegrated with spirit in our resurrected bodies. All right, so Adam suggests in the word integration, we are spirit and body in the resurrection. Number two, what are our current bodies? suggest about our future resurrection bodies. The word here is continuity. Continuity. In Job chapter 19, verse 26, we read, Job is speaking, and after my skin has been destroyed, yet in my flesh I will see God. I myself will see him with my own eyes, I and not another. So God has given us a reference point for our resurrection body, and that's the body that we have. Job says, you know, I'm going to be destroyed, I'm going to die. My skin's going to be destroyed. Yet I'm going to be the one who sees God one day. And I, in a body, am going to see God. So the body that we have is, we know what a body is. We have a clue to what the resurrection body is going to be because we know what bodies are in general. Sort of like, um, does anybody here have an iPhone? Anybody here? Do you have it with you? May I see it? Let me look at your iPhone real quick. Okay. Oh, uh, she's never going to find it. It's buried down in her purse. What version is this, by the way? Uh, Bob, don't, 
Bob, Bob, don't come up here and try and take this iPhone, by the way. Uh, <laughs> version 8, okay. So when we hear that there's a new iPhone coming out, a new version of the iPhone, it's going to cost $1,000 or whatever it costs now, we don't look at each other and say, iPhone? What's an iPhone? When we hear there's a new version of an iPhone, we know what an iPhone is. We know no matter what version it is, it's going to look basically like this. It's going to be basically like the iPhone that we already have. It's got a certain shape to it, has a certain functionality, maybe a little bit taller, maybe wider, maybe thinner, maybe shorter, maybe thicker, but it maybe has some different apps, may have some upgrades, which are fine. We can look forward to that, or we may keep the one that we have. But in general, we know what an iPhone is. And likewise, here, let me get this back to you before I forget, before it rings. Or... <laughs> likewise, with our bodies. We don't say, well, body, resurrection body? What's the body? What's a resurrection body? This is what theologians call redemptive continuity. There is a continuity between what we are and what we will be. The Bible says when you become a Christian, when you're saved, Paul writes in, in 2 Corinthians, you become a new creation. All things pass away. All new things have come. You are a new creation, which suggests radical changes after your salvation, which is true. But when I was baptized as a teenager in high school, you know, the next morning when I woke up and, and my dog came in the room, my dog didn't growl at me. And I, when I came out for breakfast, my parents didn't say, who are you? What have you done with our son? And I was still me. I was still Steve Jones, still the same person, same personality, same relationships, same memories, same tendencies, even though there are some changes, especially spiritual status changes. Well, likewise, in our resurrection bodies, there's going to be some differences, we understand, but there is also a lot that's familiar. We're going to be us. Job says, I and not another will behold the Lord. We'll still have our personalities. We'll still have, at least in part, our memories. We'll still have our experiences. We will still have a body that is, in general, like this body. We're still going to be the same people that we were. We're not going to be different people. Theologian Anthony Hokima writes, there must be continuity, speaking of the resurrection, for otherwise there would be little point in speaking about a resurrection at all. The calling into existence of a completely new set of people, totally different from the present inhabitants of the earth, would not even be a resurrection. It would just be a new beginning, starting all over with totally different population and people. Okay, so integration continuity. Thirdly, what does Christ's resurrected body suggest about our resurrection bodies? The word here is prototype. The word here is prototype. Jesus says, this is the resurrected Jesus speaking to his disciples, Luke chapter 24, verse 39. He says, it is I myself, touch me and see. A ghost does not have flesh and bones as you see I have. John writes in 1 John 3, Two. Dear friends, now we are children of God, and what we will be has not yet been made known, but we know that when he appears, when Christ appears, we shall be like him, for we shall see him as he is. One of these Star Trek movies was called Wrath of Khan. Khan! And in this movie, Spock 
dies. He actually sacrifices himself to save Kirk and the crew of the Enterprise. So they have a funeral service there, and they put Spock's body in a casket, and they eject him out into space. And he travels down, his casket travels down and lands on a planet. It happens to be, just happens to be a planet where there is some experimental technology going on called the Genesis product, uh, Project. And the Genesis Project uh, reanimates planets. So it goes to work, it turns out it goes to work on Spock's body. So in the sequel, in the next movie, although Spock had died in Wrath of Khan, he's resurrected in the next movie, the sequel. And he grows up and he has a conversation with Dr. McCoy. And they're talking together and McCoy says, Spock, you really have gone where no one has gone before. He said, you know, you died and resurrected. He says, what was it like? And Spock answered, oh, well, doctor, I, I can't discuss that with you because we have no common frame of reference. Because McCoy had not died yet. Well, we have a common frame of reference when it comes to thinking about our resurrection bodies. Theologians call this an interpretive precedent, an interpretive precedent. When Jesus rose from the grave, he spent a period of 40 days appearing to different individuals and groups and interacting with them. And so we get to see a resurrected body, Jesus' resurrected body. We just want to note just a few things about what we can learn from Jesus' resurrection, resurrection body. For one thing is where this body was and where his interactions took place on the earth. Jesus' resurrection body was on the earth for 40 days. This, at least in a way, if I understand what the Bible teaches, foreshadows where our resurrection bodies are going to live, on the earth. The Bible says there's going to be a new heavens and a new earth. What's the new earth for? It's to live on. Bodies need a, an environment in which to live. It's not so we can sit on a cloud in heaven and look out at the beautiful blue earth. It's just like Jesus was on the earth we will be on the earth. That's why we need bodies. Here's another thing about Jesus' resurrected body in that 40-day period is how normal everything was, how normally he acted. He was on the road with two disciples on the way to a town called Emmaus. He walked along with them. He had a discussion with them. He sat down and began to eat with them. The Bible doesn't say his feet were hovering above the road as he floated along. He walked on that road. He ate. He swallowed food. He didn't have an invisible esophagus that they could watch the food go down. He just had a body. It was normal, pretty normal, pretty, pretty much. His body was functioning pretty much the way it was functioning before his resurrection. Here's another thing. The relationships that Jesus had after his resurrection I mean, he, we know specifically that he related to Mary and he related to Thomas and he related to Peter and these two disciples. He had discussions. He gave assignments. He seems to be picking up where he left off. They, they talk together and they refer to common experiences in their background, to shared memories. The friendships are still intact. The relationships are still intact which seems to foreshadow the fact not only are we going to be the same people that we were, we're going to have a lot of the same shared memories, 
and the same relationships. We're basically, we're, we're picking up where we left off in our relationships. Now, granted, not all relationships are exactly the same. I know there, there are some changes. But there are a lot. There's a lot of continuity, and there is a lot that remains the same. In John chapter 2, verse 19, Jesus said, Destroy this temple, and I will raise it again in three days. And then John clarifies in verse 21, the temple he had spoken of was his body. He said, destroy this body, and I will raise this body. The body that died is the body that rose. Hank Hanegraaff writes, there is a one-to-one correspondence between the body of Christ that died and the body that rose. It's a very direct correspondence between the body we have now, the people that we have are now, and the relationships that we have now, and the body we will have that rises in the relationships and the thoughts and the knowledge and the personality that we will have when we rise from the dead. Finally, what, do, what does glorification suggest about our resurrection bodies? And that's glory, which is kind of intuitive, but glorification suggests glory. Let me show you what I mean. Paul writes in 1 Corinthians 15, specifically, explicitly about our resurrection bodies, starting in verse 42. So will it be with the resurrection of the dead. The body that is sown is perishable. It is raised imperishable. It is sown in dishonor. It is raised in glory. It is sown in weakness. It is raised in power. It is sown a natural body. It's raised a spiritual body. If there is a natural body, there is also a spiritual body. And just as we have borne the likeness of the earthly man, so shall we bear the likeness of the man from heaven. Immediately after Jesus' resurrection, when Mary encountered him in the Garden of Gethsemane, you remember he said, don't touch me, I've not yet been glorified. There were some changes still to come. I'm not saying that Jesus, that 40-day period and his resurrection body was exactly the way the body, our body's going to be. There are some changes. We don't know all that's involved in what I'm calling the glorification process. So, you know, in, the, in our first three points, I'm talking about the continuity, the familiarity, the things that may well stay the same. But here we're looking at some of the differences, some of the upgrades, so to speak. And our resurrection bodies are referred to as imperishable, glorified, powerful, and spiritual. Whatever these changes are, we're going to like them. An incorruptible, indestructible body is what we're going to have. Maybe this is the way Adam and Eve were intended to be to begin, to begin with. They're just indestructible. They would have lived forever if they had not sinned there in the Garden of Eden. Uh, but sin entered the picture, and, and that's where corruption entered, disease entered, genetic mutations came into the picture, cancer, you know, all the things we are so familiar with, a, the aging process, dying in the dying process. That will not be true. That will be remedied in our resurrection bodies. This is part of what makes the resurrection so attractive to us. Do we Christians? We look forward to that. And some of us, you know, the longer we live and the older we get, the more attractive that becomes. Some of you guys who are real young, you know, you may think, well, you feel like you're going to live forever and things are just great now, but some of the rest of us, not so much. One woman wrote into Reader's Digest. She said, have you ever been guilty of looking at others your own age and thinking, surely I can't look that old? She said, I was sitting in the waiting room for my first appointment with a new dentist, and I noticed his dental diploma that bore his full name. Suddenly, I remembered a tall, handsome, dark-haired boy with the same name had been in my high school class some 30-odd years ago. 
Could he be the same guy that I had a secret crush on way back then? Upon seeing him, however, I quickly discarded any such thought. This balding, gray-haired man with a deeply lined face was far too old to have been my classmate. After he examined my teeth, I asked him if he had attended Morgan Park High School. Yes, I did, he said. I'm a Morganer. I asked, when did you graduate? He said, 1975. Why do you ask? She said, you were in my class. He looked at me closely. Then the ugly, bald, wrinkled, gray-haired, decrepit old geezer asked, what did you teach? <laughs> oh. <laughs> Sobering, isn't it? You look in the mirror and you say, where did that old guy come from? But within the bodies that we now have is the blueprint. It's the blueprint for our resurrected bodies and all the things that we're struggling with and struggling against and things that we don't like. Maybe you like your body now. Maybe you're dissatisfied with your body now, but one thing's for sure. We'll be happy. We'll be very, very happy with the resurrection bodies that we receive one day. I want to close with a quote from Johnny Erickson Tata. Johnny Erickson Tata's in her 60s now, but when she was a teenager, she had a spinal cord injury as a result of a diving accident. Paralyzed from the neck down. Now, she's a best-selling author and a, a painter. She draws and paints with her teeth, and she's a recording artist. She had a very full and productive life, but here's what she writes. Somewhere in my broken, paralyzed body is the seed of what I shall become. The paralysis makes what I am to become all the more grand when you contrast atrophied, useless legs against splendorous, resurrected legs. I'm convinced that if there are mirrors in heaven, and why not? The image I'll see will unmistakably be Johnny, although a much better, brighter Johnny. I can still hardly believe it. I, with my shriveled, bent fingers, atrophied muscles, gnarled knees, and no feeling from the shoulders down, will one day have a body, a new body, light, bright, and clothed in righteousness, powerful and dazzling. Can you imagine the hope this gives someone spinal cord injured like me? Or someone who is cerebral palsy, brain injured, or who has multiple sclerosis? Imagine the hope this gives someone who is manic depressive. No other religion, no other philosophy promises new bodies, hearts and minds. Only in the gospel of Christ do hurting people find such incredible hope. If the resurrection of Jesus really happened, and we believe it did, we are confident beyond a reasonable doubt, then we Christians are going to receive a resurrected body, powerful, glorious, and indestructible. Our Father in heaven, we thank you for good news today. We all need good news. This gives us something to look forward to. We do not dread this in the future. We are, we are not afraid of what's coming in the future. We look forward to it in confident expectation and hope of receiving that new body which you have prepared for us. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.